Good evening. A very warm welcome to you all this evening to this live stream service. Once again, we pray that God will bless us through this short service of worship together. Let's begin this evening with prayer. Let's call upon the Lord in prayer. Gracious and eternal God, once again we do give thanks for the way that you enable us to come before you in worship, for the guidance that you give us for our worship in your word, and for the way that we are brought to confront God in the immensity of your being and in the revelation that you have given of yourself in your word. We thank you, Lord, for that word that speaks to us into our situation and condition today. We thank you that your word and its content is so relevant for our age and for our circumstances, for every providence that you bring us in your wisdom and purpose. We thank you, Lord, today that we form part of your own people throughout the world who come together like we do here to worship the Lord, the God who created us and the Redeemer who saves his people. And we thank you, Lord, today that we have this day set aside even though we know that at this time we are confined to our homes largely, yet, Lord, it is a reminder to us also that this day is a day of rest, a day which you appointed after your work of creation, and which you set apart to be kept by human beings so that we may seek God and seek his favour and come to know his blessing. We pray today, O Lord, once again, that you would bless us as we turn to your word. We ask that you would sanctify our mind we pray that we may be given the ability to apply your word to our own circumstances in life, to our personal lives, to our church life, to the world in which we live, and especially to what we find so alarming in our world today in the spread of this COVID-19 virus. Lord, help us to dwell our thoughts tonight upon your greatness. Help us, we pray, to see from your greatness how small we are, how needy we are of your own grace, of your support and help, and especially of the undergirding strength that you give to your people. Now, your word tells us that we live and move and have our being in you. And it is at times like these that we are especially conscious, O Lord, of our own weakness and our frailty. We pray your blessing tonight for those most cleanly affected by this virus. Now, we think especially again of families who have loved ones ill at this time, we think of those who have already lost loved ones through uh, the way in which so many have lost their lives through this virus. Lord, we ask for that throughout the world. We pray for those in our own nation too, who have already experienced death in their families. We pray that you would comfort them and direct them to you. And we ask that you would help them to draw their strength from you. Remember too, we pray, uh, those who work in frontline activities, uh, those, Lord, who look after those who are ill in hospital. We pray that you'd bless those nurses, and medics, doctors, all those who are involved in frontline duties. We give thanks for them, for their dedication. O oh Lord, we pray that you would protect them and keep them as they deal with those who are ill, especially with this virus. We pray too, O oh Lord, for those who have... Uh, uh, lost their work or at this time at least are not able to go to work. We pray that you would bless those who may not have work to go back to. We think of all our businesses, Lord, 
both small and large, and the difficulties and the, uh, the challenges that they face at this time. We pray that you would help, O oh Lord, those who uh, are, are uh, somewhat uh, uncertain of the future and who may be even struggling with resources presently, those who face financial difficulty and some even perhaps financial ruin. Gracious Lord, we look to you and ask that in your own intervention you would bring these matters to a conclusion speedily, that we may, Lord, be taken out of these conditions at the moment and find a return to normality as near as we can. We pray that you'd bless, Lord, also those who rule over us in government who have to take decisions in regard to these circumstances today. We pray that you'd bless the Prime Minister, his Cabinet, the First Minister, our government, those in the medical uh, uh, offices that uh, advise them. We pray that you'd give them insight and uh, ability, Lord, to think through what needs to be done. And we ask that you would give us grace to comply with what we are told are necessary restrictions at this time. Remember, we pray, all who throughout the world uh, are struggling at this time, Lord, with these conditions. Uh, we ask that your uh, grace will be sufficient for them. Uh, we pray especially that your kingdom will advance even through such times as these. Now, Lord, we ask that you would direct us to your word and through your word, uh, please address our hearts and give us uh, the mind that will be stayed upon yourself. Receive us now, we pray, and forgive our sins. For Jesus' sake, amen. We're going to read now from the Old Testament, from the book of Job, uh, chapter 42 of the book of Job, and verses 1 to 10. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Hear and I will speak, I will question you, and you make it known to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. After the Lord had spoken these words to Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My anger burns against you and against your two friends, for you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. Now therefore take seven bulls and seven rams, and go to my servant Job and offer up a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job shall pray for you, for I will accept his prayer, not to deal with you according to your folly. For you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz the Temanite and Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite, went and did what the Lord had told them, and the Lord accepted Job's prayer. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends, and the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. And I would like us to think for a short time of the words of verses 5 and 6 of this passage we have read. Both deafness and blindness are challenging conditions. They impose significant limitations, even though technological advances have made a huge difference in alleviating some of those. Most people would agree 
including those who suffer from blindness and deafness, that if they had to choose between the two, they would rather deafness to blindness. Not seeing anything is relatively more of a challenge than not hearing, though both, of course, are difficult. Job refers to both in verse 5. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. What did he mean? He had both sight and hearing. So why did he say this? To understand what he meant, we have to briefly recall what his experience had been, and that's taking up most of the book. He had come through immense trials. As you find described in the first two chapters, he lost everything he had, his oxen, sheep, camels, servants, and finally, and most tragically of all, his family of seven sons and three daughters. So there are three things I'd like us just to consider briefly uh, in regard to this. First of all, Job's consternation with God. He had come to wrestle with his situation as is understandable. But what troubles him most, and what is apparent from the book, is Job's question of where God is in all of this. He was a holy, upright man, as we find right at the beginning of the book. So how could God have treated him in this way, when ungodly people had fewer troubles than he had? His three friends, who came to try and help, only added to his frustration and his pain. They assumed that Job had done something seriously wrong, that he was not prepared to admit, and repent of it. So God had sent these sufferings in response. Now Job knew that their assumption was untrue, but he was still pained about God's role in all of this experience. So throughout the book, Job makes comments about God that he now at the end of the book here in this passage comes to regret and indeed to repent of in these verses in chapter 42. He calls on God in language very similar throughout the book to what you find in the prophets. Language to come and argue the case with God. Court language, legal language. Let the Lord stand up for himself so that Job can put his understanding of the situation to God. He wants to argue his case with God. So God lets him do that. And God answers him. And from, from chapter 38 onwards, it's mostly God who speaks. And in a series of devastating comments and questions, God addresses Job. So our second point is God's interrogation of Job. You've probably all seen the video, The Snowman, which is shown every Christmas time, which the snowman takes the young boy on a sweeping tour of town and country. Well, here God takes Job on a tour of the creation. It's the ultimate to this route, and only God could be the guide through this route. So let's hear clips of what God says to Job on this journey. Chapter 38, verses 2 to 7. Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? I will question you, and you make it known to me, says God. And he goes on, where were you? 
when I laid the foundation of the earth. Tell me, if you have understanding, who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. And then as you read through, God takes Job into space. And he shows him some of the constellations of the stars in what he says to Job. Chapter 38, verses 31 to 33. Can you bind the chains of the Pleiades or loose the cords of Orion? Can you lead forth the Mazaroth in their season? Can you guide the bear with its children? Do you know the ordinances of the heavens? Can you establish their rule on the earth? And then back to earth again. He asks Job if he can control the workings of nature as you read through these chapters. It's animals, it's birds, it's events and the cycles of nature. And then again he challenges Job. Now just think of how Job must have felt by now and especially in these words that follow in chapter 40 verses 7 to 9. Dress for action like a man, says God. I will question you and you make it known to me. Will you even put me in the wrong? Will you condemn me so that you may be in the right? Have you an arm like God? And can you thunder with a voice like his? And on and on the interrogation goes until finally we come to this confession by Job in chapter 42, verses 5 to 6. In other words, God is effectively through this tour that he's taken him on, and shown him, uh, and, and uh, questioned him, and interrogated him, God is effectively really saying to Job, now that you've seen all this, would you like to take control of the creation, and its events, and its history? Would you prefer that you were in charge of your own life, rather than I do it, through my knowledge and my purpose? How does Job react? Well, he disintegrates. He goes to pieces in the presence of God. That's what we have in these verses 5 and 6. Remember, this man was a righteous and holy man, and yet here he is broken, shattered, repentant. So let's look at thirdly, Job's confession before God. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. The knowledge Job previously had of God was like hearing compared to seeing. Now he realises that he hardly knew anything of God. And you can just about see his thoughts coming through in his confession. As if he were saying, how could I complain about your arrangement of my life? when I know next to nothing about your divine purpose? How could I possibly know the workings of your mind in all of this? What right do I have to insist that you, God, tell me these things? How can I, dust, compete with you, deity? And do notice that Job did more than just confess his smallness and his lack of knowledge. He also repented 
Therefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Job is not seeing God now. Not that he did before, but he's certainly not seeing God now as if God were just a big celebrity and that you want to approach to take a selfie with him. No, Job hates now what he sees in himself, the sinfulness that he sees more clearly than ever before. And why does he see it more clearly than ever before? Because God has put him beside his own divine greatness and he sees that more than ever before. And when you and I realise that we are in the presence of God's pure holiness, you realise just how small and how dirty we are. So you fall down and you say, I despise myself, I hate what I see in myself, and so I come to repent. Or maybe something like Peter was. You remember in Luke chapter 5, he was in the boat there with Christ, having just glimpsed the immensity, the greatness, the grandeur of Christ, when he worked that miracle of catching so many fish, when Peter knew there had been no fish there all that night they'd been fishing. And when Peter saw that and realised just exactly who was in the boat with him, this is what he said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Is that not one of the main things that God is teaching us now through this dilemma of COVID-19. Is he not actually giving us to think about the greatness of God? God has come near to us in this frightening providence. We do need to take note, friends, of that. Do we not feel our smallness, our finiteness, our vulnerableness, our sinfulness? Do we not need a power greater than ourselves or any created power? Must we not make this time a time for seeking God anew? Has this situation not spoken to you and to me individually? Has it not made you assess what your priority in life must be? And as a nation, and indeed all nations, but as a nation, this is our opportunity to repent of our pride, our ungodliness, our rejection of God's law and gospel, our human arrogance and selfishness. God is calling us today through this as surely as he called upon the people of Isaiah's day, where Isaiah wrote of God's call to repentance, Seek the Lord while he is to be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. But as we finish the study, let's stop to admire the wonderful finale to Job's experience. As we read especially in the likes of verse 10, the Lord restored the fortunes of Job. Or in the AV translation, which I prefer here, the Lord turned the captivity of Job. His lockdown was over. God now confirmed himself 
as Job's friend. Well, it was never otherwise. But Job now realises, as never before, that God is his sovereign friend. Now that does not detract from the beauty and the meaningfulness of that friendship. In fact, it only adds to it. Not everyone can say that their best friend is none other than the creator and ruler of the universe. But Job could, and you can, today, if you have accepted Jesus as your saviour. Let's pray. Gracious God, once again we come before you seeking that your word will be made effective in our hearts and minds. We ask that you would instruct us through our dealing with your word this evening. We thank you that though it brings to us things from so long ago, yet they are so relevant to our situation today. Help us, we pray, and help our people to be like Job, confronted with your greatness. Lord, when we feel your, our smallness in the light of your greatness, help us, we pray, not to turn away from you, not to seek to hide like Adam and Eve and the trees of the Garden of Eden when they knew they had done wrong, when they heard your voice calling them. Rather, Lord, bring us to the cross, Bring us to that place where your love is demonstrated so abundantly. For God commends his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Show to us, O Lord, anew your great love, the scope of it, the depth of it, though we cannot but comprehend even a tiny fragment of it. And when we feel ourselves, O Lord, so much like a tiny pixel in a huge picture, Lord, give us, we pray, to hide ourselves in you. and Give us to realise, Lord, as we come to confess our smallness, that your greatness is our advantage. And help us, we pray, to find uh, that refuge and strength in you. So bless us now, we pray, and continue with us, for Jesus' sake. Amen. We're going to sing again in closing our service this evening. And our closing singing is Psalm 31. This is from the Sing Psalms version. We're going to sing to the tune Heron Gate. Uh, David wrote this psalm when uh, he was in circumstances that were perplexing. We don't know the situation. He doesn't tell us in the title or elsewhere uh, as to the circumstances that gave rise to the psalm. But we can see from the psalm that David was in distress. He was hemmed in by enemies. He was surrounded by terror. He was, if you like, in lockdown. So he prays to God and confesses God as his rock and support. And he finishes with these verses that we're going to sing, which call on God's people to love the Lord, to be strong in their hearts, and to take good courage. So from verse 8, The Lord be praised, because he showed the wonder of his love to me, when in a city I was trapped, surrounded by the enemy. The Lord be praised because he showed the wonder of his love to me when in a city I was
again for sharing in this service. Let's conclude now with the benediction. Now unto him that is able to keep us from falling, to the only wise God, our Saviour, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and evermore. Amen. <laughs>